The Blur Havoc podcast may contain content some may find offensive, vulgar, or inappropriate for work or school. All views expressed on this show solely belong to the individual that expressed them. Viewer discretion is advised. or evening i am your host the roguishly handsome alistair haken and welcome to the blur havoc podcast i know the format is a little wonky but um you know we're just doing a little improv today um drink of choice for this episode is a nice bottle of purified water with electrolytes added for taste oh billy mm, that's good all right and I still have my cigar from the last episode. Yeah, I told you. I was, I was going to roll right into this episode. I told you. Um, which is developing rather well. Alright, so finally, we're going to talk about the Moral Event Horizon after not talking about it for two episodes. Moral Event Horizon. So, this is a trope on TV tropes. Which, I'm going to read the laconic definition, because the laconic definition is usually good enough for me to use that as a definitive definition without reading the entire page for you. So, the laconic definition of Moral Event Horizon. A horrendously evil act that marks its perpetrator as irredeemably evil. The thing about this trope is that it is not an objective trope. So, as in, some people may deem a character's actions as irredeemably evil, and others will be like, this character could still be redeemed, you know? Uh, Such as in The Force Awakens, when Kylo Ren kills Han Solo, it, dude, this movie's like seven years old. At this point, you've seen this movie. Um, But Kylo Ren kills his father. Some people may consider that a a moral event horizon where he he definitely went into irredeemably evil after killing his own father and some people would be like you know what he could be redeemed you know and and i mean you know disney decided to redeem him but you know that's the moral event horizon for some people where it's like he killed his own father as a matter of fact that should be an example in here star trek but not star wars there's no Star Star Wars? There's no Star Wars? What the shit? There's plenty of moments in Star Wars that have moral event horizons. And I'm not sure what... Oh, it's under Disney. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Oh, what? They only have Rogue One Krennic um, decides to test the, the Death Star on Jeddah. That's, that's a moral event horizon. And then Tarkin using the Death Star on Alderaan is um, is a moral event horizon. But I argue there's even more in the uh, Star Wars universe, which is why, like I said, it's a it's a very it's a very uh, subjective trope where some people may feel may feel as if the moral event horizon is further, and some may feel like a character has already passed it. Let me read this here. Um, 
Yeah, it says it's under the the sentence that says no real life examples, please. Whether or not a real person has crossed this line is way too way too debatable. We already have enough trouble with fictional characters. Yes, it's a very subjective trope, which is why it's infinitely discussable. Um, let's see. In Star Wars, there's also Anakin Skywalker when he commits Order 66, when he decides to slaughter the younglings in the Jedi Temple. That could be considered a moral event horizon, right? Um, let's see. Let's do another one that isn't Star Wars, right? Um, I'm trying to think. One could be in, um, oh man, I'm surprised I haven't talked about this show more. I need to buy like the box set because it's one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Walter White has a moral event horizon, in my opinion, towards like one of the later seasons when he, um, when he seems to have poisoned Jesse's, uh, girlfriend and her, and her son. Um, that's a moral event horizon. Whether or not he actually did or not, doesn't matter. The fact that he thought about it is the is the thing that makes it an immoral event horizon. Um, and one, in honestly, I kept this trope in mind when writing Rise in the first Blur Havoc book, is that I didn't want him to be irredeemably evil, because, I guess you know, mild spoilers. His redemption in Blur Havoc 2 and Blur Havoc 3 would not have worked if he slaughtered people like a maniac in the first book, right? I think I've talked about this in um, one of these podcast episodes, but Rise's redemption in Blur Havoc 2 and 3 would not have worked if he passed the moral event horizon. So, as I've said before, Rise doesn't kill anybody in the first book. He, he doesn't even really harm anybody. Or rather, he does harm people. Like, he he totally busted uh, Mason's jaw. Like, he totally broke his jaw and knocked him unconscious. So, yeah, he did. He does hurt people. But he doesn't, he doesn't, he didn't kill any of the uh, heroes in the first book. But then again, also, he, his plan wasn't to kill the heroes. His plan was to do something far worse than kill the heroes, which I'm not going to talk about right now. Um, Now, what's interesting about this is that despite the moral event horizon being a thing, there is another trope that I'd like to talk about called the Draco and Leather Pants trope. Oh, man. Because despite, despite a character crossing the moral event horizon and doing something irredeemable, some people will still find insanely good tra traits in a character. Like, here's the laconic definition of Draco and Leather Pants. A controversial slash evil character gets their unpleasant qualities downplayed slash removed by the work's fans. Here's another example from the MCU. Wanda Maximoff. Holy shit! Wanda Maximoff is the prime example of both of these. Because for me, Wanda crossed the moral event horizon in WandaVision when she enslaved an entire town and then acted like she did them a favor by freeing them. It's like, no, no, you were in the wrong there. 
you enslaving them is not the wrong part. It's the part where you let them be free for a couple of seconds to tell you that you're a fucked up piece of shit for that, and then you put them back into slavery. Anyway, you were well aware of what you were doing, Wanda, and you just decided you're going to go back into mind slavery. That screwed up. But for some reason, the MCU fans absolutely adore Wanda and think she is, she has done nothing wrong, even in-universe even in universe like what's her name monica rambeau tells her that they they won't know what you sacrificed her fake ass kids for the the mental the mental freedom of an entire town of people bro seriously it was insane and then i didn't even see multiverse of madness but i heard it's even worse in that movie um where just oh my goodness as a matter of fact, I hope Wanda, I hope Wanda Maximoff is in this. Wanda Maximoff is not on this list. Because you, bro, go on a Twitter and see what the discussion of, uh, of Wanda Maximoff is, is going. See where the direction of that is going. <laughs> um, surprisingly, they put Eric Killmonger in here. Um, which I never thought that, like, you know, he... I mean, he almost crossed a moral event horizon. Almost. At the same time, you know, he argued he could have earlier. So that one's, like I said, that's the fun of the moral event horizon is that it's deeply, deeply subjective. But, yeah, I could see the Draco and Leather Pants thing going on with Eric Killmonger. Um, Loki is an example of a character I feel never actually crossed the moral event horizon. But he does get a Draco and Leather Pants uh, treatment where he, um, where, like, even though he's done a lot of heinous shit, like, betraying his brother several times, seemingly killing, uh, Agent Coulson, and trying to invade Earth with the, with the Chitauri Empire, really shitty stuff. But I feel like he could have been, he could have been redeemed, which he was in Thor Ragnarok, he was redeemed. Um. Oh, man, where was I going with that? <laughs> um, but yeah, Loki is an, a character that that basically Marvel has been chasing that dragon for a while, trying to get another character like Loki that the fangirls absolutely love to bits, that they can um paint in a sympathetic light. Like, look at all these characters that they tried uh, to do this with. They tried it with Eric Killmonger. They did it with Than. They tried to do. It with I wouldn't say they tried to do it with Thanos, but they tried to do it with Wanda as well, where she's this tortured soul who just wants to see her fake ass kids again. You can tell that I have a lot of contempt for Wanda after the events of WandaVision, especially after that fa that finale. That finale was just <sighs> sheesh. Yeah, I'm really surprised that Wanda is not in there. She's not in the Draco and Leather Pants. Really surprised. What? Wow, so Wanda... Okay, 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 okay. Alright, I'll give the Moral Event Horizon a page a pass because... For some reason, they put Agatha Harkness as on the moral event horizon for killing Sparky the dog. 
but at least they put Wanda on there for trapping everyone in Westview. And I didn't know it was for a month. I thought it was like for a few weeks. But, um, yeah. And then, well, for Agatha, this says, even for a centuries-old witch seeking psychologically, seeking to psychologically manipulate Wanda to gain access to her powers. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up, I suppose. <laughs> um... But let's let's kind of dive into this a little bit. What exactly makes a character's actions irredeemable, though? You know, like I could say stuff like um, I do have a character that crosses the moral event horizon in my books, for example. Um, I'll just say it's Volana. If you read Blur Havoc Two, you know what I'm talking about. Valana crosses the moral event horizon in chapter 9, if you know what I'm talking about. Go read my book. Um, but, let's see, what what exactly makes a character irredeemable? I'd argue one of the things that you'd have to do is just kind of cross that line of, like, reasonability. Like, when someone does something so screwed up, you can't understand why they would do something like that. You can't relate to why they would do something like that. Um, oh, oh, I get, okay, so I guess, spoiler alert for Multiverse of Madness, but apparently on this page, they are arguing that Wanda has crossed the, the moral event horizon in uh, Multiverse of Madness, which, based on one scene alone regarding the Illuminati, I could argue, yeah, Wanda crossed it in that movie, too. Um... But uh, but what could make a character irredeemable? I'd say it has to be something that you cannot fathom why they would do that reasonably. Like would a re like in the, okay, a little bit of a little bit of um law, like a little bit of law school going on here in America. When it comes to self defense, we have this thing called of called reasonability. Would a reasonable person do this? Could you put yourself in someone's shoes and see why they would have to defend themselves with lethal force? Right? And that's what I believe a lot of people understand about the moral event horizon is that can you put yourself in their shoes and be like, yeah, I'd do that too. It's not like, um, it's not like Doctor Strange where like in Infinity War, he saw into the future and saw that the only future in which the Avengers win is by giving Thanos the stone and letting Thanos win for five years so that the Avengers can come back and save the day five years later. Right? That's understandable from Doctor Strange's perspective. Um, let's get away from the MCU for a second. Let's see. Uh, uh, let's go to video games. Um, Mass Effect. Um, in the Arrival DLC... Alright, sorry. So context, context. In Mass Effect 2... There's... I got a package? What the shit? Okay. Um, in the Mass Effect DLC... Mass Effect 2 DLC called Arrival, um, Shepard has to tr has to go to this system alone to figure out um, what's going on. And so this person knows something about the Reapers, right? Um, and come to find out that the Reapers are actually, like, about to be, like in the Milky Way galaxy in like mere hours and 
Commander Shepard has to choose. Has to not. He doesn't even really get to choose, honestly. Um, <clears throat> he's going. He, what he has to do is he has to slam an asteroid into the Mass Effect relay of that get of that system, which would cause the entire system to be destroyed. Thus, and then he doesn't get to choose whether he has to do this or not. What you get is a little bit of like, you know, karma points for either attempting to warn the colony or just being concerned about your own ass. Um, that's all you that's all the choice you get. You're going to blow up this Mass Effect relay and kill hundreds of thousands of people. You have to do this. And from and and if you look at it from his perspective, you go like, you know what? As screwed up as a choice as that is, I understand why he did it. Because if it if he didn't do that, then the Reapers would have been there in hours, wiping out all of life in the in the galaxy. So, you can understand why Shepard did that. However, I could not understand why someone is say like. Hmm. I can't even say Saren crosses the um, moral event horizon. Are there any characters in Mass Effect that cross the moral event horizon? Uh, Kylang, Kylang, yeah, Kylang's a piece of shit because he killed um, he kills either Captain Kirahi or Thane depending on who was alive in your in your save file. So yeah, Kylane's a piece of shit. He's a he's a horrible piece of shit because he's just a gun for hire. He has no morals. He'll kill whoever you point him to. He he doesn't have any you know morals. It's just hey, Cerberus is paying me, so I'll do whatever they tell me to do. If they need me to go kill a whole daycare full of babies, I'll go do it. Is basically what Kylane's mo is. Um. Also, he's deceitful. He'll, he'll, like, if you, okay, so, in Mass Effect 3, if you don't have Thane, and you don't have Captain Kirahi, then, um, what's his name, I just literally said his name, Kai Lang will successfully kill the Salarian Dalatras. Is it the Dalatras, or is that the Salarian Council, Counselor? I don't remember, but, he kills a very important Salarian person, right? And, um, and... Shepard is like, hey, there's footage of that. Go look at the security footage. And then you look at the security footage, and it just shows Shepard shooting the Salarian uh, important person. And it's just like, sheesh. He's a, he is a no-good, deceptive bastard. And Kai Lang is just not a character that has any redeeming qualities for that. Now, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. There are heroes that can fit into this category of morally of moral event horizon. Characters that have done things irredeemably evil or screwed up. For example, in the game Cyberpunk 2077, there is the the famous or infamous Johnny Silverhand, who, in the lore of the uh, of the game, Johnny Silverhand commits an, an act of terrorism on the Arasaka HQ, which, for story reasons, I'm not I'm not going to explain what the reasons were why he did that. But um, but in universe he commits a terrorist act on the Arasaka headquarters by literally 
No joking. He literally dropped a nuke inside the elevator shaft of that building and killed thousands of people. You could argue that that is a moral event horizon moment where it's just like, I can't see why you would do that. That's really screwed up, dude. Now, in universe, the reason why he did that is because Arasaka kidnapped his girlfriend and um, used her to create the Soul Killer um, program. And Johnny accidentally killed her by yanking the cord out of the back of her neck, and then she accidentally got slipped into cyberspace. Like, her conscience got slipped into cyberspace, and she died. Her her corporeal body died. But he blames Arasaka for for stealing her, or kidnapping her in the first place. Um, and that's why he dropped a nuke in Arasaka HQ and killed thousands of people. But it's like, yeah, I get it. I get you're angry, but dropping a nuke on, on that building and killing thousands of innocent people? Don't know about that, Johnny. Don't know about that. And you could tell that in the scene after he, he blows up Arasaka HQ, um, the lab technician tells her, uh, my husband was in that tower, and he kind of has a moment where he's like, you know, I didn't even think about the innocent people I just killed by doing that. Or he's like, no, I didn't mean it like that. You know, he's, he, you realize that he wasn't thinking when he did that. But it still doesn't redeem him. It, it still kind of makes him a really screwed up person. But throughout the game, you know, he does try his best to, or rather after Act 2, he tries his best to redeem himself and be a better person. And um, and in, depending on whichever ending, I mean, spoiler alert for a game that came out two years ago, but in certain endings, you, you give Johnny your body and he goes on to live a better life. He gets a second chance at life, and he decides he's not going to waste it. So, you know, that's an, Johnny Silverhand is a character that I can totally see people saying he crossed the moral event horizon, and some people saying, but he redeems himself later on. Understandable. Very understandable. Now, um, you could say there are some characters that cross the moral event horizon before they, the game even starts, such as in Doom Eternal. The con maker and the hell priest decide to... First, okay, first of all, we gotta go way back. We gotta go way back. Not too far back, because we're not bringing in Devoth quite yet. But we gotta go a little bit further back, where the cons... Uh, not the cons, shit. The makers <laughs> um, sign a deal with the demons to create Argent Energy, just so long as the, the demon said, hey, we can we can create Argent Energy for you, and we'll spare you of the Argent Energy making process, but you gotta point us to different planets so that we can, you know, we can fill that gap. Um, so then the con makers, the con maker points her hand towards Earth and says, hey, go over there, go get some, uh, go get some bodies over there for Argent Energy, which, uh, yeah, in case you didn't know, Argent Energy is people. Um, so the comicer literally says we're going to sacrifice innocent races, entire races of people by the billions so that we can keep our deal with the devil going. And that's a moral event horizon before the game even starts. Like before Doom Eternal even starts, the comicer has already crossed that line. The hell priests have already crossed that line. And it's 100% understandable why the Doom Slayer is like, I'm just going to kill you guys. I'm not going to wait for you guys to turn over a new leaf. I'm just going to kill you. Now, arguably, you could say we're not going to we're not we're not going to go there yet. Um, ancient gods. We're not going to talk about that yet. <laughs> um, we're just going to talk about the base game for now. Um, 
and in universe the character um the character the betrayer may have crossed this line which there is a uh, there is an in universe variant of that it's called beyond redemption where in universe the characters believe that a character has crossed the moral event horizon so the characters in universe except for the doomsday slayer believes the the betrayer is beyond redemption where basically the betrayer uh struck a deal with the con maker for the sentinels wow this shit sounds insane for anyone that has not played doom eternal but um basically the betrayer um wants to save his son as a matter of fact let me let me not guess on this one it's been a while since i've learned the betrayer story the betrayer Valen the Betrayer. Um, ba, ba, ba. Let me see. Ah, okay, that's what it was. Yeah, I was close. I was close. Okay, that's what it was. Alright. So, the Betrayer, basically, his son dies. Um, his son dies, and he essentially strikes a deal with the Hell Priest. He's like, I'll give you access to these super powerful wraiths if you bring back my son. And the hell priest is like, okay. But then the hell priest like screws him over, empowers the legions of hell with the, the power of the wraiths. And then he brings his son back. Oh, he brings his son back, alright, but only as the icon of sin. So, um, he betrayed he essentially betrayed the way that the, the Sentinel see it is that he betrayed Argent Denur, which is the Sentinel homeworld, um, to the Hell Priest for his son so in universe he's considered beyond redemption um but he does you know redeem himself in the ancient gods part two which we're not going to talk about right now um because the the reason why i don't want to talk about that right now is because the ancient gods part two has a horrible fucking story and i want to talk about it one day um <sighs> sheesh anyway so in universe he's considered beyond redemption but you know, it's arguable to us that whether or not he could be beyond redemption, whether he has crossed the moral event horizon or not, who knows? But that's the argument, is that he's beyond redemption in this uh, in this universe. Matter of fact, I wonder if he's, uh, I wonder if they list him here. V video games? Let me see, let me see, let me see. Search for Doom? No. Uh, yeah, he's not here. Now, now that we've talked about moral event horizon, you have to ask, what exactly causes a what 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 would cause a character to be able to be redeemed in the first place? You know, and the good they say the good counterpart to the moral event horizon is the hero's frontier step, which is a character commits an action so noble that it proves that they are a hero. Now, you don't really see this too often. Because most people don't know how to, you know, do this correctly. But there is one movie that we can think of that I know for a fact has it. At least, at least I thought it would be here. Okay. Um, but arguably, you could say the movie Megamind has a, a hero's frontier step. Where Megamind, I'm not even going to get into it because it's been a while since I've seen that movie. But I just know that the beats of the movie, Megamind decides to be a hero um, by the end of the movie. 
and he takes the hero's frontier step. Um, and um, it, it's not always a definitive action that you know that will let you know that a character is on the way back from redemption. Oh, they have one for Sonic the Hedgehog, surprisingly. But um, a lot of times, the reason why you don't see this one as often as the Moral Event Horizon is because a lot of times in movies, the heroes are not taking action. They are taking, they are making reactions. They are reacting to the, the, they're reacting to the actions of the villain rather than, you know, taking action towards stopping the villain. So that's why you see a lot less of these steps taken for the hero and a lot more of these steps taken for the villain. As a matter of fact, there's a good... Someone had a very good video of Sonic Adventure... I won't say very good, it was pretty good though. Um, of, of Sonic Adventure 2 stating that in the first half of the hero story, the heroes are reacting to Eggman and the rest of Team Dark. However, on the second half of the hero story, the heroes are on the attack. They're on the offense. They're making, they're making moves toward their goals. So the hero's the hero's frontier step is not a very it's not a very common trope because heroes for the most part are reactive they're not active which reactive is still active just you know in a different sense and let me see what do they say here okay so yeah I see what they mean in Sonic the Hedgehog uh, the movie they say that his hero's frontier step is when uh, because throughout most of the movie. Um, the whole plot point is for him to get to Los Angeles to get his ring so he can run away and go to a new planet, right? Because that's what his, his surrogate mother, Longclaw, taught him, was that if you ever, if people ever find your power, you need to use these rings to escape to another world, right? But at the end of the movie, Sonic decides, you know what, I'm going to stay in my ground and I'm not running anymore, which is, yeah, that's the hero, that's his first step as a hero saying, you're not going to scare me anymore. So, yeah, that's a that was a very good moment, honestly. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it. Um, Moral Event Horizon is just more so... It's less about objectivity and more of a subjective thing, so I just wanted to talk about it, you know. The Draco and Leather's Pants thing is just a really weird phenomenon that mostly fangirls have. Fangirls and MCU stands have. Um, but yeah. It's not, it wasn't really a heated, you know, issue. It was just something fun that I wanted to talk about. But yeah, um, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, I think we're on episode 14 now. We're going to have about six more episodes until the, or five more episodes in the season finale. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy that. I will see you on the flip side and make sure you drink water. You guys have a very, very good day. Goodbye. listening to the Blur Havoc podcast. Purchase the Blur Havoc book series on Amazon Kindle or paperback today. 